Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is Matthew chapter 10. And he called to him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belt, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. For the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, 
and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the word of the Lord. Today's text begins with the call of the the twelve, really, all of them, but it is primarily about what it means to be sent by Jesus. That's what the word apostle means. It comes from the Greek verb apostello, which is a sent one. Sent with a mission. And we see the mission here in this chapter. So the twelve apostles, which this, by the way, is the only time Matthew uses the word apostle in his gospel account, are given the authority to do the very things we've seen Jesus doing over the last couple of chapters. He takes his authority to do these miracles of healing and casting out demons, which is also somehow considered healing as well, but to do all these wondrous things. He gives that to his disciples. His authority passed on to them. Relevant because, right, the end of the gospel, Matthew 28 All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. We have Jesus giving his authority to teach and make disciples and baptize. Which, by the way, making disciples basically baptize and teach. That's the two parts. He gives that to them. He gives that to us. Jesus can take what is his and he can entrust it to us to do. And so he has. Now this chapter, a little bit more specific, at least at first, this first paragraph giving us the name of the twelve, the second paragraph giving us what is unique about their call, but the rest of it really applies to all of us. So we have the names in verse 2 and 3 and 4. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, we've seen those four called at the start of this account already in the gospel, back in chapter 4. We saw Matthew called as well, but we did not see the call of these others in Matthew's account yet. So here we have the full list. Now Thaddeus is going to be called Judas, son of James, and Luke's gospel account as well as his sequel book, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, officially. Jesus sends them out. And his instruction is that they would not go to the Gentiles, not even Samaria, which to the Jews is also a a Gentile nation, although it was the heart capital of the northern kingdom of Israel from God's people, but instead only go to the house of Israel, referring to what was the faithful, the remnant, the southern kingdom, the Jews. This is the picture that Jesus Christ came to save his people. The Messiah came to save the holy nation of God. 
You see that scattered certainly throughout the Old Testament. You also see it in the New Testament as well, but it expands. And we're used to the expansion. Isaiah chapter 49, where God says of the servant, it's too light a thing for him to only redeem the house of Jacob. He's going to send him to all the nations that the entire earth may hear the good news. You get the parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew's gospel a few chapters from now, where the father has prepared the banquet. He's invited all these people, which would be the Jews, to come to the banquet. And at first they plan to, but then when the time comes, they're rejecting it with excuses like, I've married a wife, I can't come. Uh, I bought a field, I must go see it, and, and so forth. And so the master sends his servants out anywhere they can go to find people, and they bring in outsiders. That would be the Gentiles, that would be me. Thanks be to God. Make sure the house is full. The good news. Now, Jesus here sends out the twelve only to the remnant. So that's the first step. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. It's both, but initially it starts with the Jews. It starts with the household of God. And once the household of God rejects it, then the message goes beyond. So, again, given the authority to do all these things, Jesus then says, you received without pay, give without pay. So as they have freely been given the gospel, as they have freely been given now these abilities to do these things, don't charge for them. Don't go and set up shop over in you know that nearby town of Nazareth and, and start selling, selling your wares, using these gifts as a, a, a marketing tool. Well, I'll cast out demons for $500 a... No. Do it because it is the will of God. It is good to do. It, it loves your neighbor. It serves them. However, and to not make it confusing, don't take anything along with you. The laborer is worthy of his wages. So you're not supposed to charge for your service, but accept the people's hospitality. So you don't charge them money to heal their sick child, but when they rejoice at the healing and they say, please come into our house, stay the night, have dinner with us. By all means, go into the house, have dinner with them. Why? Because you're going to get to share the gospel with them. You're going to get to love on them and teach them about Jesus Christ, which is going to be a major theme that comes up through the rest of the chapter. Now, Jesus does say that as they go into the town, then this hospitality part, if the people receive them, stay in that house. If you receive Jesus disciple, you're receiving Jesus because his disciple is going to talk about Jesus and his word. If you refuse, if the house refuses, then leave, shake the dust off your feet, and move on. Why? Because if they're refusing the disciple, they're not going to be hearing the word of Jesus either. They're not going to hear the gospel. Verse 15 is a puzzler, and I admit I don't think we're capable of knowing the fullness of this verse. Essentially, Jesus says that it will be more bearable on the last day, on Judgment Day, for Sodom and Gomorrah than for those who reject him now. Why? It seems like Jesus here is describing the idea that there's going to be different levels of punishment on the last day. So not just different levels of reward, which is a question Christians often like to talk about and ask, 
but punishment. Like there's layers to hell. We don't know. We can't answer anything. We have this text and a couple others like it from Matthew. But it's truly about it. What we can see, though, is that this is certainly meant to be comparison language from Jesus. Why is it more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for this household? This household is part of God's holy people. Sodom and Gomorrah are pagans. They have no idea who God is. They don't care who God is. They're so distant from him. And they were evil and they were destroyed. These people know Jesus. What they claim to have known the Father. And Jesus is sent by the Father to them as the Father promised he would do. And now they reject him? That's the point that that is being brought out in this. That's the significance is to recognize that, again, the Jews to whom Jesus came, they reject him. The next section, starting at verse 16, honestly, we need to ask our kids this question or wrestle with it ourselves. Why do we think these things won't happen to us? I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. What happens to sheep that go around wolves? They get eaten. They get killed. That's going to be us. We're going to be destroyed by this world. Come back to that. So, in the meantime, be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Wise. Figure out when to do acts of service. Figure out how to speak, when to speak. We'll come back to the speaking part here in just a minute. Know when it's a great time to preach the gospel. Know when it might be a better time to go to another town, as he just described in another section of this chapter as well. Wisdom. Craftiness is the serpent reference typically in the Old Testament, Genesis 3. But also innocent. Do no wrong to your neighbor. He warns them of the difficulty coming. Delivered over to courts, flogged, even in the synagogue, even in the church. Dragged before governors and kings for my sake. That's the connection back to the Beatitudes. Those will be persecuted on on Jesus' name. And this happens. Happens to every single one of them, except for Judas, who killed himself prior. Even John, who doesn't get martyred, they tried and failed. This is the lot of the disciple of Jesus. And the reason for it comes at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. If they did this to Jesus, who is our master and teacher, why should we expect different? Why should we expect a better life, a cushier life, a luxurious life? If we seek to be like Christ, the world will treat us as the world treated Jesus. And again, that's the question that we should wrestle with as Christians more often today. Why do we think these things won't happen to us? Why don't we want to be like our master? Safety has become a massive idol in in Christian circles. Why? 
There was a time where martyrdom was viewed as a gift. The early church viewed it that way, that it was a blessing from God to be killed for your faith. This text gets into that again, just as the Beatitudes did back in chapter 5. I do want to pick up on verse 20, 19 and 20. We don't have to be anxious what we'll speak in that moment, as we're delivered before governors and kings. Again, very specifically to the apostles, the Holy Spirit would guide them. And so Peter's able to preach his Pentecost sermon because the Holy Spirit was just poured out upon his head as a, t- a flame, flaming tongue tongue of fire, and he preaches in apparently such a miraculous language that everyone present can hear him and understand him in their own native tongue. That's speaking in tongues, by the way. God will give them the word to speak. This does also apply, however, to us, and that the word that we hear spoken and it's just what Jesus did when he was tempted in, in the wilderness by the devil. He spoke, he responded with God's word. So it can be for us too as we go before these various things, as we're persecuted, as we're trying to share our faith with our neighbor or our persecutor, that we would have the word to speak is because we have the word, that we've been in the word. Read God's word. Spend your time there. If you don't have God's word in you because you never read it, you're not going to be able to share it with others. I realize I'm running out of time, so let me jump a little bit. Have no fear of them. Don't fear persecution. This is Paul's statement to live as Christ to die as gain from Philippians 1. The very true. If I die, I'm with Jesus. Suffering's over. Thanks be to God. But if I get to stay here, I get to serve him another day. Thanks be to God. And that's the picture for us. So don't fear the ones who can destroy your body. Only fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Family conversation. Who is that? Who did Jesus just tell us to fear? He just told us to fear the one who on judgment day can cast you into hell. And that's Jesus. That's God. He alone has the authority to do such a thing. And so this does bring up the idea that as Christians we are to fear God not a wishy-washy fear. It's not a respect fear. It's a fear fear. I mean, be afraid only of God. I love Pastor Wolf Mueller's explanation of that as being a, a liberating fear because after you've learned to not fear anything else, what does God say? Do not be afraid. We fear him because we know he's powerful, but we also know that he's merciful that he's forgiven us, that he loves us, and that he has redeemed us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 32 continues that, and really the judgment theme, that if we deny God before men, God will deny us before judgment. If we aren't willing to speak of Jesus Christ, if we cower in fear that our neighbor will harm us because we share Jesus' name, then Jesus will not share our name with the Father in heaven. That's what's being said here. We are to speak openly of Jesus Christ and be his disciple. And if we meet the fate of the sword, we meet the fate of the sword. It's my transition point. Jesus came to bring a sword. He came to bring division. Did he come to bring peace? Yes, but not earthly peace. 
not peace between husband and wife, not peace between father and, and son, peace between God and man. As it goes for human relationships, there will be much division over Jesus, and we see it all over the place. Families divided over faith. Islamic cultures, if you convert to Christianity, they throw you out of the family. They disown you at best. Sometimes they actually kill you. Although, again, you get to be with Christ. So these things certainly have come true and continue to come true over and over again. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever is a disciple of Jesus is not willing to share with Jesus and Jesus' sufferings isn't really with Jesus. Jesus is not a life insurance policy, uh, a fire protection kind of a thing in case your house burns down. He's God. God in the flesh who came to redeem us. We should follow him. Not as a, a legal law that must be pursued and followed, but because he's God and because he has laid down his life for us. It's one of those law gospel conversations that we follow God not because of the law. We follow him because of the gospel. We love because he first loved us. That's sort of a statement there. Whoever finds his life will lose it. That is this life. If you, if you want to find your life, your hope, your purpose, your dreams here and now, you're going to perish forever. But if you lose this life for the sake of Jesus, for the name of Jesus, so if you live this life not for yourself and just enriching your own desires, but you live this life serving him, doing the mission that he has sent us to do, to share Christ with others, then you have life because you'll live forever. The last paragraph, pretty simple. Again, whoever receives you receives me. Because if they receive you, you're going to be talking about Jesus. They hear about Jesus. And they also then receive the Father because that's who Jesus points us to. Just as I point to Jesus, Jesus points to the Father. He has reconciled man to God. He's brought peace between God and men. So if you receive a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. Why? Because you join him in paradise. Same with the righteous one. You get to share in their reward as a part of the family. Whoever gives one of the, these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple will by no means lose his reward. I just point this one out because the little ones is referring to the disciples. We are not to think highly of ourselves. I'm but a man, a sinner at that, and yet the Lord has chosen me as his own. Thanks be to God. So let's love one another and let's share that good news.